Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 168. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Nick Balias. Nick, are you feeling unstoppable today? I'm feeling unstoppable. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Nick has worked in the restaurant industry since he was 13 years old. It was his time attending Drexel University and managing three salad work locations that he knew he would be one day an owner and operator of his own restaurant. Uh, his first attempt at ownership came in 2005 when opening Cabo Cafe. After eight years of successfully operating one location, Nick decided it was time to open his second location, and in 2013, he got to work opening Wingcraft, a restaurant that focuses on craft beer and craft food. Today, he is the successful owner and operator of two concepts, and he's crushing it. Nick, thank you so much for joining me today. I uh, can't wait to get your story, to gather your advice, but before we do that, I want to get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra what do you have for us today uh you know i don't have one in particular so i kind of just looked them a few up and one of them that you know, kind of resonated was i never dreamed about success i worked for it ah nice i like uh, it yeah that that's one of those things that you know a lot of people want to want to be somebody but they don't want to put in the work or make the sacrifice and i think sacrifice is one of the biggest things yeah and i think that's really what separates the people that make in this industry is there's people that dream and they have these visions and they want to do stuff but only a small percentage of them actually do the work and are willing to put in the work to get to where they are today and it's not like it happens over overnight man i'm sure i mean for you no. it's been a, a long time coming and it's it's all this hard work is paying off so i'm pumped for you dude thanks man um so let's talk about you a little bit Let's talk about, uh, like, was there a moment, Nick, when you just knew that this industry was going to be more than just a job for you? Was it your time at Drexel University? Like, when did you know that you wanted to make a career out of it? Uh, I think I, I, I really knew when, when, I, when I was managing those three salad works. Uh, There's kind of like two instances. Once when I was 16 years old, I was working at a diner, and, um, you know, the boss the owner of the diner basically said, hey, you know, you're 16, you have spring break off next week, uh, I'm not coming in. <laughs> and, I, and I'm 16 years old, and I'm thinking to myself, what does he mean he's not coming in? <laughs> but uh, that was something that he trusted me with, and a lot happened that first day that kind of made me realize that, hey, you know, I'm good at this. Mm -hmm. But I think when I really knew was when... What uh, happened, Nick? Do you mind me asking what happened that first day? Yeah, that that first day, basically, so... You know, he doesn't come in, and immediately uh, I've got two waitresses that are no call, no show. Oh. Uh, so I start moving. I just knew what to do. Uh, I just start moving stronger waitresses into bigger sections, telling them that I'm going to support them. I'm going to beverage their stations. I'm going to let the customers know that you know, you know, just be patient with us. We're we're a little short-handed today, and just communication with the customer and helping them out and supporting them and letting them know it's going to be okay. And at the same time, uh, the walk-in box broke in the back. So I went in the back. I told the guys, hey, listen, take everything out of this walk-in box, put it in the other one. And I called the – and I didn't call the owner. 
you know, to tell him, like, hey, you know, everything's hit the fan over here. I need you to come in. I just handled it. Like, I, I told him, you know, I called the refrigeration guy. I said, get your butt over here. You know, we need this refrigerator fixed right away. I don't want to hear it. You know? Did I hear you say, I want to make sure I heard you correctly, Nick. You said you were 16 when all Six, this was going on. 16 years wow, old. Wow, man. I mean, I work with some 16-year-olds, and they're great kids. Don't get me wrong, but I cannot imagine them making calls like this. Half the time I look at them and I tell them to do something, and it's like deer in the headlights. Um, yeah. So I'm impressed by that, my friend. That's impressive stuff. That's that's the day I, re- I, I, I have to say I really knew, okay, I like this. This is organized chaos, and I'm good at it. And this is, like, at a time where my dad thinks I don't even know how to take out the trash <laughs> properly. You know, this guy's giving me his 24-hour diner and saying, you know, it's in your hands. Yeah, what made you think that? Like, how did it feel? Like, I, I mean, we know what made you think you were good at it. You were good at it. I mean, you pulled it up. But how did you feel when you knew that you were good at it? Oh, uh, it's, it's an amazing feeling because especially when, when he happens to just walk in and kind of, hey, it's, it's 4 o'clock, I'm just going to walk through. And he came in that day at 4 o'clock and he's like, hey, so how's everything going? I said, you know, and I ran through everything. I said, oh, these girls didn't come in. I did this. I called this person that broke. They fixed it. Everything's taken care of. You don't have to worry about anything. And he looked at me like I had two heads. <laughs> and that that's when, you know, you just get this unbelievable feeling like, all right, you know, this it really just feels good. It feels good. That's awesome, man. It really is. So, I mean, let me ask you: Why do you do what you do? What is it about this industry? Like, what is your why? What is your purpose? My whole motivation uh, for being um, to, to to do what I do is uh, my parents and my upbringing. Uh, my parents worked really hard. You know, God bless them, but you know they could only provide so much for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't. They, you know, we didn't come for money. They they came here from Greece. Wow. Uh, they, my dad was a mechanic. My mom was a custodial worker. Uh, they just worked as hard as they could so we could live, you know, a decent life. And and they did really well considering their circumstance and and their education level and their background. You know, I can't I can't fault any of that. You know what I mean? But you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. We that just wasn't around, and um, that was just something that I didn't want to be a problem in my life mm-hmm. anymore. Awesome. And I just work as hard as I can, as long as I can, and that's something that nobody can take away from you. You know, if you just work really hard, you know. You know, and one of the things I think that, you know that we have to point out here is that you love what you do, and you wouldn't be able to put the hours in that you put in. And I don't think unless you loved it as much as you do. Do you think that has anything to do with it? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely. I mean, my biggest, you know, passion is you know bringing the concept together and executing it properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the gr- one of the reasons why I, you know, Wingcraft is so exciting to me uh, is because there is that constant change that I, with the craft beers and the the food pairing and all the different things you can do on that menu that just excite me uh, and. Knowing that I can execute and do things to a higher quality level than a lot of these chains that are, you know, everywhere, mm-hmm. um, really kind of gives us um, an advantage and stuff. And awesome. I love it. So, Nick, if you could boil it down to just a handful of it factors, your qualities, your characteristics, your habits that you think most contribute to your success, what would they be? Uh, I, I, it factors, you know, kind of like what I was just talking about with the whole, just knowing, I, I believe, I think I know only a couple other people 
that actually have that it factor naturally. And um, what my observation is of these people is when a problem happens or when something happens, they just know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. They're not the person to say, you know, turn to somebody and say, hey, what do I do? Yeah. I, I, I've never asked that question, what do I do? Uh, you know, I know exactly what to do in every situation to handle it in the best way for that moment. Uh, that's just, I feel like that is definitely a part of that it factor, just understanding how to move forward and knowing what to do. So you would say you're just good at processing thoughts uh, to get solutions. You're very instinctual. Is that what I'm hearing? I, I, that's, that's exactly what I believe. And the other people that I know that are incredibly successful, I get along with them because it's, and, and we talk about some of the same restaurant stuff. Uh, and that's what I've figured out that, um, a lot of that is just happening that they understand that same thing. They know how to move forward. So I've noticed something about people who uh, say that they're almost instinctual. They're able to think, uh, handle the situations really well, almost like you said, instinctually. Um, do you think you're able to see the big picture and to see the cause of, of effects and like chain reaction that, or the, uh, the events that will come of single actions? I, is that, am I making I know sense? Exactly, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. The answer is yes. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I think through things. Mm-hmm. You know, if I do this, what's going to happen? If I say that, what's going to happen? Or, you know, how are my customers going to react if, yeah, like- if I do this or that or the other? And I think through to all the possible solutions and mm-hmm. what might occur, and then I, I figure out what the best way of possibly handling it could be awesome man yeah i totally hear what you're saying i feel like i don't know if i have it as well as you do man but i can i totally get that and sometimes when like things are going crazy like you can just peer into the future you look at all of your options and you just have to make a decision now and you uh just are ready and always able to adapt i think that's really cool so um we got your it factors nick let's break it down let's get specific with the story where one this it factor of just being able to think on your feet and just being instinctual is really shown through can you bring us to a moment when this happened uh i mean one of them was that first time that when i was 16 that that all happened uh, at that diner um that you just you just go into when all when everything falls apart you go into that mode um there's been many times when things you know were down for us too during Hurricane Sandy or, you know, five casinos closing and all these different things. And when things like this happen, you have to think positive and you have to think ahead of, okay, I'm going to focus on what I do. I can't, I can't change those factors. I can't change that Hurricane Sandy came through here. I can't change the five casinos closed. But I sure as hell can make a good burger mm-hmm. and I can give my customers the best experience and I can knock this out the park when people walk in here. So all I try to do when, you know, things are really going poorly and, you know, where that it factor really kind of kicks in is, you know, when, you know, it's focusing on what I do and taking that to another level and, and holding a very high standard of myself. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one thing I've noticed with successful people in this industry is they're always looking to the future. I mean, things are going to happen. I mean, shit happens, right, Nick? But Absolutely. you can't do anything about it. It's in the past. All you can do is look to the future and react and do the right thing for everybody on your team. And I have you quoted as saying, um, we learned with Cabo to constantly adapt until we made everyone appreciate what we had there. 
Um, so talk to me about that experience um, and how did you pivot or did you transform over time to better serve your guests? Like, what do you yeah. mean by that? I think when we first opened, you know, Cavo uh, had a big a focus on crepes. Mm-hmm. Um, we did crepes, panini sandwiches and salads and, you know, coffees and smoothies and things like that. Mm-hmm. Fast, casual concept. Um, when we first opened, we thought we were going to be a little more fancy mm-hmm. than we ended up being. But we adapted and had to change to what our what our what our customers were were, were buying. So, you know, first you want to put you know all these fancy things you know, inside crepes and all that, and you realize that people don't even know what it is that are coming in. Some of them, uh, they're not appreciated. So you say, okay, how about a Philly steak crepe? How about a chicken quesadilla crepe? Let me start doing things like this and just giving them familiar words and seeing if they're. If they're grabbing onto that, and mm-hmm. as soon as I put, you know, quesadilla crepe, Philly steak crepe, um, these things that they they know what it is because they might not know what a crepe is, they started ordering them like crazy, mm. and then they had their first crepe. A lot of people have never had a crepe before, mm-hmm. so um, once they have it, they realize, okay, this is not so scary. It's actually delicious. It's amazing. It's this. It's that. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of you kind of watch the customer's reaction and how they how they navigate through the store, and you know. What they're buying, what they're not buying, uh, things like that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I would definitely say, man, your if factor is just that ability to be in the moment, to pay attention to what's happening, and to react in a way that is just in the right direction always. Um, that's really cool. So, we got your if factor story where this really just shown through. Now, talk to us about a time, Nick, where you just fell hard on your ass with a failure. Uh, take us through that failure and tell us how you got back up. Uh, probably like three or four years into opening Cavo, it, the mall still had not grown to what it was. Uh, now it's over a hundred stores. It was only probably 30 at the time. Okay. And, uh, Atlantic city was, you know, still coming up at that point. I knew that this was not one store is not going to support three families, me, my brother, my parents, mm-hmm. all these people. So I said, I, I've, I've got to do something. And I went back to where I went to college. I went back to Philly, and I opened another Cavo uh, in a little town called Maniunk. It's basically a part of Philly. Mm-hmm. Uh, college area, you know, it looked it looked like it was going to be a hot spot. Uh, I opened up. I didn't spend a ton of money. It was uh, it, Before I opened it, it was an existing, like, ice cream store, and the guy was making burgers and grilled cheeses and stuff in the back. So you had a okay. kitchen. So I took where he had the ice cream counter, and I put crepe machines in my panini presses. And in the back, I utilized that kitchen. And I just repainted it. I used, I bought some equipment, things like that. But at the end of the day, um, you know, that town, uh, a lot of stores started closing in that strip. Uh, the banks, you know, banks were closing. Uh, real estate market crashed. So All what year of- are we talking now? You opened that the was right when, right when, right? Uh, yeah, President Bush was coming out. So 2008, 10? Yeah, probably. Yeah, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was a few years ago. Okay. Yeah, so. it was basically that transition. Okay. Between, you know, when, when, you know, you know, the housing market had crashed and all okay. that. So we had like a salon upstairs and, and a real estate office next door that had all these people working for them, 50, 60 people that would constantly come over for lunch. And you saw that weeks later, okay, there's only two guys coming over from over there because the rest of them, you know, aren't there anymore. There's okay. only a couple of girls upstairs instead of, like, 30 girls cutting hair. There's five. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the whole town took a hit. 
and there was nothing that I could do about it. And I didn't see any future. Mm-hmm. I didn't see a way of growing out of it. There was no possible way. So, so what would you say your failure was? If you could narrow it down, like what did you do wrong? I think I think what I learned from that was I tried to go into an area that was cheap rent um, and thinking that cheaper rent would allow me flexibility to earn more money myself. And what I realized when I was there was in Atlantic City, in my Atlantic City store that I still had, uh, I was I could have just raised the price on soda 10 cents. Yeah. And made the money that I was making all day sitting sitting in Maniunk. Wow. Uh, it was just it was just one of those things that now I realized. Okay, I'm not afraid to pay high rent or high cam or be in that top spot because I can always adjust prices and my you know and portions and all the kinds of things like that to you know be where I need to be yep. percentage wise. You can't adjust anything if there's nobody there. Exactly great lesson i mean how long did it take you to realize that you know it wasn't going to be worth it though uh basically i looked at numbers i'm a numbers guy man and i i looked at you know we're we're 13 months in and let's start comparing numbers to last year um you know this you know this month to last you know last year's and the numbers were down Mm -hmm. and they should be up and i knew why they were down but yes you know how they you know, there's no way we can stay here, and that's when I I made a phone call to the landlord and said it doesn't look like we're making it. Yeah, would you say your ability to recover was because you were willing to throw in the towel and get out while you still could? I mean, is that one of the th- was that absolutely? I think a lot of people uh, would have stayed there and were, would be uh, scared of failure or yeah. what people might think or any of that. And I, I had an uncle that that told me the same thing. Said you know. Hey, you failed over there. And I said, you know, have, have you seen my life change? Have you seen anything? You know, have, have I gone into the streets? I mean, I, you know, I, I did. I, I lost what I was capable of losing. Yeah. I'm but, okay with that. But, you know, what did you come out of that experience with? Uh, I didn't come out. I didn't come out feeling like a failure. That's for sure. Uh, I came out feeling like I learned something. Mm-hmm. And that now I know better. I really, truly thought it would be much more devastating, like you know, closing a business, than it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more a relief for yeah. me because I really knew that I now it kind of refocused me on my Atlantic City store mm-hmm. and said, "All right, I really didn't put the effort I could have put. You know, all the effort I'm putting into this other store and driving an hour every day and doing all this stuff." If I even put half that effort into my Atlantic City location, I can really blow this thing up. And that's exactly what happened. We ended up doubling and tripling numbers at that store after I closed that Maniac store because it kind of realigned my brain in where I should focus my efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to ask you, because of the advice that I'm hearing from you from what you're talking about, have you ever read Eric Reese's uh, Lean Startup by chance? No. Um, it's a great book, but in that book he talks about uh, how you need to pivot when you start with a new product. You have a minimal viable product. It's your most basic whatever, 
like whatever your product is, whether it's a restaurant or a gadget, and then you just put it into market and you see how people react to it and you pivot and you change based off of people's recommendations. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did with Calvo when you first started. And then um, another thing that they talk about in that book is just quitting early. If you're not going off to a right start, if it's not going good and you're looking at the numbers, the numbers don't lie. Get out while you still can and take something. And then if you learn something from that experience, it's not a failure. It's a lesson learned. You take those lessons, you start all over again, and you're going to have a higher success rate because you learned so much the first time out. Cost of doing business. Absolutely, man. Great stuff. So we've crushed the first half of this episode. It's been awesome. I can't wait to pick your mind while you just drop some restaurant industry knowledge on us. Are you ready? Sure. All right, the first question I have is what is your advice for raising the capital to get started in the restaurant industry? The best way um, of doing that, and people were coming to me, and the the reason people came to me is because they saw my ability and they saw the way I worked Mm -hmm. and they saw the type of person I was. Uh, being, Being a good person, being a trustworthy person, being somebody that works hard, um, I think it's easy to get involved with the right people. If, if you know, I think people invest in people. I don't think they invest in just you know, everybody. There's people that could have the right product, but if mm-hmm. they're not the right guy and you don't trust them, you know, you're not going to go into it and you're not going to give them your money. Um, my investors were my parents. Uh, they they mortgaged their home. You know, we would have been in the streets if it didn't work. So there was no option of failure. Uh, so, you know, my parents now went from no retirement savings at all mm-hmm. to being retired so my, my parents um, you know they go to florida three yeah. months every, every year every winter that's awesome basically my parents are, are living the american dream now because because of their investment in us uh, but i think that you see some people where they're oh their dad bought them a restaurant mm-hmm. or that you know my parents didn't have that luxury it wasn't something that they had this money to invest it was hey let's Let's do this together. Mm-hmm. We're going we're gonna to mortgage our home, and you know, awesome. we're all going we're all going to be in the street if this doesn't happen. But they invest, they made that initial investment because we were good kids mm-hmm. and because we were smart and because we did know what we were doing, not because we were stupid. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned with this question is if you really want to, if you need to get out there and get the money to get started, you really have to work on yourself first and focus on being just a badass person who just is a good person, who's a hard worker. If you work on making yourself awesome, getting that money is going to be so much easier because people will have faith in you. They will want to invest in you. And I think you said it right. It's all about uh, people are investing in the person, not in the business. And um, that's great advice. Thank you. Uh, the next question I have for you is on the topic of hiring. Like, what's one piece of advice on getting those people to work for you, getting good people to work for you? What questions are you asking? Where are you looking? Uh, well, getting good people to work for you it has a lot to do with your product and believing in your product and having the best product. I knew that, you know, in the beginning we're going to get whoever we get to get started, but eventually – you know, we're going to have a great crew here because these people are going to make more money working for us because we're doing the best job we can uh, to have a, a successful restaurant. So I think some of that has to do with uh, people wanting to work for you because they're capable of showing what they're capable of, you know, mm-hmm. of, of themselves. Um, but, you know, it, it kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, you have to attract those people with, with a great product. You know, you can't 
you can't just be the average Joe, uh, Joe Joe's bar on the corner and expect you know people want, dying to work for you. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you said it perfectly. I think people, they can go work anywhere. They want to go be a part of something greater. They're not looking for a paycheck they know that, I mean, it, a paycheck's part of it, but when they have a choice between the okay restaurant down the street or the badass restaurant that everyone wants to be a part of, they're going to choose the, you know, that, that culture that you've developed around your restaurant, for sure. Exactly. So when you find these people, Nick, what do you do to keep them on your team? How do you treat them? Like, what's, what's the secret there? Uh, I treat people the way I want to be treated, uh, and we have management that we obviously preach that to as well, and we, we want them to treat everybody the same way. Uh, I've been I've worked in restaurants where people screamed and yelled at and all that, and I don't feel that that's helpful at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never I was never motivated by somebody screaming at me. Mm-hmm. I, I always thought that okay, screw this guy, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't need this uh, kind of thing. So we we don't we just we we basically try to train train train. Like training is constant uh, where we are, and just you know as long as they're trained properly and you're constantly on top of how that that high level that high standard that you're setting, people understand when they come in they're not going to you know act however they want to act or do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. And th- you know, this is, you know, this is for the customer. We're here for the customer. It's the service industry. Um, you know, this is what we're doing. So you and, said train properly. Like what is a properly trained person? Uh, I think that's somebody that, you know, that does everything you want them to do. And, and that starts with coming in with just the right attitude and the right smile. I mean, I, I've, I've let people go because they don't smile enough. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to come into a restaurant and be near miserable people and spend my good, hard-earned money. So, you know, I, I, I try to think as a customer a lot of times when I'm in the front of the house. And, um, you know. So what about the tools that you're giving them when you're training them? Like, what are the tools that you provide to train them well? Like, what, what kind of tools do you give? Uh, well, we have a manual, obviously, that they, they get when they're first hired. Mm-hmm. And we go through that with them, and then they... They go through um, a menu training, and as f- they follow another waitress for about a week. And uh, the menu training and looking, they stay by the expediting line, basically, and mm-hmm. see how the plates should look before they ever hit the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot of time spent with them getting to know the menu. Mm-hmm. Um, and because if they don't know the menu properly and the customer asks them a question, they just look foolish. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, learning think, the menu and the food and all that is really important at first. Absolutely. And I think uh, so often uh, we don't put enough blame on ourselves when things don't work out with people. We just think, well, they just didn't have it. I mean, did we give them the tools they needed to be successful? Do we train them appropriately? Sometimes when things don't work out, when people don't stick around, it's because they didn't have the tools they needed to be successful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So let's talk about some resources. What are some of the resources that you recommend as far as books or websites or tools? Or where can we go to to learn um, some of the places you went to learn? Or is it all just hard knocks with you? (laughs) Uh, A lot of it's hard knocks. I mean, when I was was young... I, I read um, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Awesome book. Um, you know that that book when I was reading it just made so much sense to me. What uh, was the biggest lesson you took away from that book, Rich Dad Poor Dad? Uh, it was a way of thinking 
Um, and no, nobody really teaches you about money in school. And when he said my rich dad or my poor dad, and, you know, his poor dad was his real dad. And mm-hmm. it, his, you know, his dad was highly educated and all that. And, you know, he made good money, but he didn't, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't a, a wealthy, successful guy. And his rich dad uh, was just, he, he drove a pickup truck, but he had all these different locations mm-hmm. and these stores and all these things. And you could tell it was like, a, it was all a mindset. And if you think you can or can't do something, you're absolutely right. Uh, the second you say, I can't do it, you've eliminated all possibilities of it ever happening. And the second you say, I can do something, you've just opened the door or window of the possibility that it happens. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it will unless you put in the work, but at least now it's a possibility. And Absolutely. that's something that I would talk about uh, even with my parents. I would say, hey, you know, I want to do this. I want to do that. You know, my parents, if I didn't express the interest in opening a restaurant with my parents, it, it might have never happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that mentality of just like as soon as you admit you can't do something, your your mind shuts off. All creativity just just ends. But as soon as you say, I can do it, and you ask, how can I do it? You just start thinking of all these incredible ways and possibilities to like achieve your goals. And what about money, though? Like, how did this book af- affect the way you look at money before and after? I'm not scared of money mm-hmm. anymore. A lot of people are scared of money. They're scared of losing money. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at money in a "hey, it comes and it goes" kind of way. And money is one of those things that it's not scary. People, I feel like they're very scared of it. Uh, they're scared of losing it, so they're scared of risking it, mm-hmm. and it's just a snowball type of effect. I feel like if you have the confidence to, and and know what you're doing, um, you don't have that fear of losing what you do have. I just think I know I know enough about what I'm doing to not really worry about money. I feel like the money will come awesome. if I do if I do a good job. You know, I'm not worried about that. Mm-hmm. Great, great. Yeah, I love that book totally a must read it is an audio too so you can get that book for free today guys if you go to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable uh, if you haven't tried out audio it's it will make uh, absorbing information so much easier if you don't have the time to read a book so uh nick the next question i have for you is on the topic of marketing i mean what's working for you with marketing do you have a marketing trick that you are leveraging uh and if you do you know can you share it with us uh, i mean obviously right now social media is a big deal and being a part of that and being constantly in, in, in people's faces. And one of those things is, um, you know, I was telling friends for years before I opened even Wingcraft, hey, you know, you should just put a picture of a burger and a piece of strawberry cheesecake and just say, you know, see ya, see you soon on Facebook mm-hmm. or something. You, you know, I had friends that were writing, you know, boiled ham and cabbage special today. You know, I wanted to puke <laughs> just by reading it. And I was and I was giving them all these you know these tips where I thought you know this is what attracts me this is what gets me going this is what makes me want to go eat at this place why are you writing boiled ham and cabbage and you know they they didn't listen to me back then but then I the second I opened Wingcraft it was all about pictures and people uh, responding to uh, that visual part of the you know burgers or the or the atmosphere of the place or whatever it is they want to be there and. Um, you know, I, I I hired the right people 
to help me with that as well? Yeah, I mean, I'm curious with with the images. I've seen your Facebook account, and you have incredible imagery on your Facebook. Um, do you do that uh, yourself? Do you use any tools to to uh, write over the images, like the the graphic art over the images, or how? no? The com- uh, you know, Web Diner is the company that I use for uh, the social media stuff, and they're they're much they're much better with the graphic design part of it. I'll take pictures of the food. You know, I'm 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 decent with that mm-hmm. uh, that end of it, but you know, uh, graphic design work I'm not. But I I know what I want. I know the quality and the level that I want. You know, I can tell I can tell them, hey, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I envision for my concept. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, sometimes maybe you know it's not, and I and I call them up and I say, hey guys. That's not what I'm looking for, and and we adapt, and we're learning from each other too. Yeah, I think we're kind of uh, segueing into the next question, which is on the topic of technology, how you're leveraging technology, and that's one thing I did want to point out is, I mean, you have an incredible website, Nick. Talk to me about the significance of having a great website and why that's so important. Well, basically, that's your identity online, and uh, the first thing people are going to do when they when they hear about you, or they want to see what your menus like, or they want to see what your place looks like, or anything, especially when you're in a city like Atlantic City, where a lot of people are coming in from out of town, um, it's it's extremely important to make them want to come to you, and you have, you've got one shot at it, really. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, in this industry, in the food and beverage industry, we're we're selling food, but ultimately, we're selling experiences. And when I land on your website, all I can see, I mean, I'm just, I know instantly what you're all about, um, what I'm going to experience when I get there with the imagery you use. Not only, like, you know, with your website, too, it's, it's, your, it's the, the modern-day uh, first impression. It's like your storefront. Like, think about how people used to sweep so much, and you still should, should, but putting flowers and awnings in front of your store. That same effect is what you have to do online today with your online presence. When people want to check out... Your restaurant, they're going to go to your website first. They're going to see your phone number, your address when you land on your website. And it's a beautiful website. I just wanted to point that out. Thank um, you. No problem. Are you leveraging any other technology? I heard you talking a lot about numbers. I mean, how are you tracking these numbers? Like, why are numbers so important? Our point of sale system, uh, you know, we have everything in there in a way where, you know, we can search anything from, you know, individual items to, you know, just categories, uh, you know, broadly see you know how you know what percentage of burgers we sold today or whatever it might be wings uh craft beers yeah if you're not looking at you know you know even when i'm looking to change the menu every every like four or five months you know every season we basically change it up and we say okay what in each category we need to look at the two or three things that are the least selling even if we think it's the best sandwich on the planet Mm -hmm. you know it's obviously not selling the best so let's change it up and do something else that's absolutely amazing. And every time I, I update, I take the two or three worst, you know, let, not, let's not call it the worst, but the least selling. I try to make the best sandwich or the best thing in that category uh, to replace whatever's there. Mm-hmm. So um, just, again, it's that standard and trying to keep a, a level of, you know, being ahead of the game. So I... Are you just using your POS system? Is are, are there analytics um, worked into the POS system you're using? Uh, yeah, absolutely. The point of sale system, and then we also get website analytics, um, you know, reports from from Web Diner, and we, we we look through those and we discuss them, and you know, we have great months, and you know, we you know we we see where the traffic's coming from, and 
we try to use that to our advantage of you know what we're going to be pushing. Okay, awesome. So I'll have links to Web Diner uh, in the show notes, guys. It seems like a great service there, uh, totally worth checking out. So the next question I have for you is uh, on the topic. I mean, what, what's your best advice? If you can go back in time, it's 2005, Nick, and you can just give one piece of business advice to yourself. What would it be and why? I would say listen to nobody um, and do do what you know is right because if you're doing what you think and, and feel and know is right and you have a passion for it, um, you, you really have nothing to worry about. Awesome. I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got to trust that gut, and that it's gotten you great places. Um, you've been an awesome guest. I mean, if there's one question I could have asked you, Nick, that would have brought more value to this interview, what would it have been? Oh, I have no clue. <laughs> I think you did a great job. Thanks a lot, man. And uh, I guess we wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. So, Who's one indie restaurant professional, somebody you admire and you think would just make a great guest mentor on the show like you have today? I've got a friend. I got a friend named Steve that is uh, that would be a great guest. All right, Steve. Uh, what? Tell me a little more about him so I can find him. His last name is. I'll tell you. I got because it's a Greek name. <laughs> Those are some tough ones. I think it's S C O U L O D I S Kouloudis. All right, well, and what restaurants he associated with? He's got that it factor. He he's uh, associated with quite a few restaurants. He's okay. the vice president of operations um, for for a company that's maybe has forty or fifty restaurants, oh, but wow. they've they've created them all. They're all their concepts, and they've done everything from scratch. And uh, they're all in unique concepts. Yeah, his father-in-law started the company uh, years ago, and he's the one who's taken it to that next level. Um, and really, he's got that. He's he's one of my friends that has that it factor. All right. Well, look out, Steve, man. I'm coming after you. Um, you've been an incredible guest, Nick. I mean, tell the folks at home how they can connect with you. Uh, if they want to maybe come work for you out in Atlantic City, or maybe they just want to pick up the conversation online, what's the best way to connect? Uh, definitely hit us up on Facebook. I mean, uh, I always keep an eye on Wincraft uh, Kitchen and Beer Bar on, on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. I'm 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 definitely in touch with all that. So um, I'm constantly keeping an eye on it. If you ever want to come down and you know, awesome. All right, I'll have those links in the show notes. All you have to do is go to restaurantunstoppable.com/slash Nick Balias. Am I saying that right again? That's it's, right. Oh, beautiful! I nailed it. Um, I'll have the links right there in the show You're notes. Greek now? No, not quite. Uh, it's close. <laughs> Italian. Uh, <laughs> Italian redhead. Not too many of us, but anyway. <laughs> Uh, thanks so much, Nick, man. You are unstoppable. All right, man. Thank you. All right. Cheers. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. I hope you guys all enjoyed listening in today. So many great lessons from our guest today. Nick, man, you killed it. So, so much awesome advice. Some of the things, just to recap, some of the things that really just stood out to me. Um, you know, quitting while you're ahead. Sometimes... We get started, we want to expand, we open another location, and we just stick with it because we're so afraid of failure. But you know what? If it's not right, if the numbers aren't, you know, giving you what you want, you got to pay attention to those details and get out while you still can. It's not a failure, it's just a lesson learned. Huge lesson there. And uh, being able to pivot and adapt to what your guests are saying, listening to your guests, can be so 
important and so powerful. Paying attention to the numbers, again, just those don't not lie. So look at the numbers, see what they're telling you, and adapt. The power of just good social media presence in an attractive website. People underestimate that first impression. Like, would you let the front of your store be a filthy mess or your host stand uh, just to be, you know, like a bomb went off? No, then you wouldn't do the same thing to your website or your online presence because those are your first impressions. And it sounds like Nick found a great service in webdiners.com, so I'll have the links to that service there in the show notes. Just go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash Nick. Balias, Balias, I think I'm saying it right, sorry Nick if you're listening to this and I'm butchering your name, it's B-A-L-L-I-A-S, just uh, check out the links in the show notes, and also, like always, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com, if you can think of a potential guest mentor to have on the show, or maybe there's a topic you want us to discuss, and we'll go to an authority, have them on the show as an authority, and learn together, and like always, head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash books and slash tools to get a complete list of all the books that are recommended, the tools that are recommended by our guest mentors, the things we can do today, the books we can read, the tools we can leverage to make our restaurants just a little bit more unstoppable. And don't forget to sign up for the email list at the website. You'll get a weekly recap of the lessons learned, the suggestions our guests are making, all to your inbox so you don't miss a thing and you can uh, grow together with us. All right, that's all I have for you. We're done here today. I'm going to cut it now. Until next time, peace out.